Yeah, guys, thank you for coming to hang out on the podcast and uh, just researching you guys a little bit. I know y'all have your hands full, man, just doing a lot around Birmingham and, and everything. And so we have uh, Laura and Larry, but you go by Mud. Oh, yeah, everybody calls me Mud. Everybody calls you Mud. Mama calls me Mud. Okay. Uh, well, right out of the gate, how did you get that nickname? Uh, well, I was, in, uh, I was in high school, and my coach said I was slower than Mud going up a hill. So... Um, unfortunately, my brother was, a, yeah, unfortunately <laughs> okay. my brother was a senior and I was, uh, I was a freshman in high school at that point. So there was, uh, there was no outrun in that name, so to speak. So even though I got bigger, faster, et cetera, I was still mud and. So the name fa- stuck. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I went to, uh, I went to Troy to play college football and, oh, dude. uh, they, they found out immediately. So at that point there was never getting away from it if I wanted to. Dude, that's awesome, man. What positions do you play? I was a defensive end and I was, I went for actually to be a long snapper as well. Okay, cool, man. Well, shout out Troy. That's all. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Go Trojans. Um, well, oh, and uh, it's National Margarita Day at the time of this recording. You brought some awesome margaritas for us. Thank you. That's You're really, welcome. really good. Yeah, every podcast is better with margaritas. I Always. Think. Yeah, I was saying earlier before we got recording that we mostly do beer, uh, mostly because I don't know how to mix drinks at all. I've never worked at a bar. I've never I don't either. It's okay. Bar, so I don't know what I'm doing. I can pour a beer though. There's a running joke that when moms first opened, you know, they were just beer only, beer and wine. And I was like, I could do that job. I could work behind the bar and just open beers. I basically work there. It's yeah. great. Well, dude, um, how did you guys get into the service industry? You currently are the owners and proprietors of Queens Park and Neon Moon, two very successful, arguably two of the most popular bars in Birmingham right now. Um, what's your background and, and how did you guys get into owning bars? Take it away, Mud. Uh, well, me personally, I uh, I had no idea I wanted to do this. I was uh, 18 years old, and I was getting ready to go to college, and I started working at this really, really wonderful place called Bell Bottoms. Bell oh, Bottoms. yeah. Shout yeah. out Bell Bottoms, man. Yeah. Wow. Bell Bottoms was a, a classic dance club playing your favorite hits from the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> well, yeah. At Jello Wrestling on Thursday nights, uh, fight night on Wednesday nights. I started working the door there, and... Uh, I was still going to school at the time, so I would come back and work when I could because I just I just loved it. Like I don't know, it was one of those things that as soon as I started, I never really wanted to stop. And okay. I started working in some restaurants while I was in Troy, and I did some back of the house work. And then I realized that a lot of people just kind of take back of the house people for granted. And I was like, man, I want to get that tip money. I want to see what it's like to work in the front of the house. And as soon as I turned 21, I started bar backing and bartending at Bell Bottoms. And uh, shortly thereafter, I left and ended up at Dave's Pub, where I was Dave, at for okay. uh, a little over 11 years. It's like right across the street, right? Oh, yeah. I was okay. on that. Qu- that was, it was kind of a funny joke. I <laughs> spent like, a lot of time five points. Yeah, I, I worked across the street from the uh, the Ruby Tuesday slash Chick-fil-A slash Mellow Mushroom for um, coming up on like 17 years, I think. Wow. Total. Yeah, man. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of history of five points. There is, man. And uh, I worked at Dave's and then... Uh, I was lucky enough to do some things along the way, networking-wise, to uh, meet this wonderful woman from New York City. And Uh-oh. who is she? I, I, I talked. I, I talked <laughs> to her. She have, uh, you know, you may have Stay met touch. her before. She's beautiful. Uh, but yeah, I, I convinced her to move to Birmingham, Alabama, and the rest is kind of history. We did some things at Dave's to kind of do a test run on what we wanted to do, and we both had always wanted to own bars. And Queens Park was one of those things that we just. We came up with and executed, and the rest is history. 
So you're originally from New York, or you were Brooklyn. in New York? Okay, I'm from Brooklyn, awesome. Yeah. So I was how born did you in guys... Manhattan, but yeah. they brought me across the bridge very quickly. Well, dude, uh, the guest we had on the last episode, um, Sean Humphreys, who's uh, has a clothing brand called Skeeve. Mm-hmm. He spent a lot of time out in New York. And, oh, cool. Um, I don't know much about New York, but uh, so how did you guys, you being a Birmingham or an Alabama native, how did how did the relationships start how'd you guys meet we met at a ufo convention no i'm just kidding um we met at this uh invitational bartender event uh it's called camp run amok it's run by a sort of a a producing group and then sponsored by liquor brands takes place at a children's summer camp in kentucky the children are not there place for this is happening liquor Um, event yeah And it's about a week. You do, um, you're in like brand sponsored cabins with different people. And then you kind of go to distilleries and cooperages. That's where they make barrels during the day. You have like pool parties and then like brand sponsored dinners and like dances and parties at night. Uh, it's like a networking event, it's like a learning event. Um, pretty cool. Uh, we met there and we were both in long term relationships, and but we just stayed friends. Um, both got out of the relationships and it just, kind of was the right place right time kind of thing um, okay so yeah. you were still in new york after was, that event yes. but y'all just stayed in touch yeah. okay mm-hmm. cool yeah, yeah for like years before we started dating wow. and then um then we did long distance for almost a year before i was about to say here. that's pretty that's pretty good ways man yeah um, it's like a two and a half hour flight yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that's not too bad i guess i'd never been to new york when we first started <laughs> hanging out too so we went to there was another uh, industry facing event that uh we went to and i was going to in new york and we were doing a pop-up for one of my bartenders who had gotten sick and had kind of fallen down on bad luck. And uh, we, I convinced her to let us do it at her bar. And uh, that was my actual first time ever being in New York City. Since wow. then, I've gotten to visit a ton and see the beautiful things and all the wonderful bars and restaurants there. But uh, it was kind of eye-opening to go from a, a wonderful city like Birmingham into the, the big metropolis that is New York City. Dude, you definitely need a tour guide, man. So if I had somebody there that was like a native that knew the city and all the cool spots to hang out. I've only been there once, and um, we kind of did all the touristy things, you know, Statue of Liberty, Times Square. Oh, you got to do them all at least once. Yeah, but, uh, man, it was intimidating. Just like going to – I go to Atlanta, and I'm intimidated. You know, just how big things are. I'm, I'm like, Birmingham I'm is like intimidated, like, by the size. highway in Atlanta. Yeah, so – um, oh, we didn't drive at all. We just uh, yeah, took no, taxis thanks. everywhere. And, and just doing the subway system was scary for me. You know what I mean? Like, I've gotten lost on there several times. I was like green line, blue line, and then all the different <laughs> – I just – I didn't know what to do or how to even – I don't know. It's it's embarrassing because you don't want to ask for help. You want to like – Yeah, you don't want to identify do it on yourself. Your own. Yeah. Oh, this guy's from out of town. Where yeah. are you from? Where's that accent from? Well, you might also like get robbed or something. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's weird because like – the first first time I went, you know, me, I'm so happy to be in New York, and my head's up. And I'm He's like, like trying to talk to people. Yeah, I'm like looking subway. at people and trying to talk to people. I'm like, man, these people don't want to talk to me. It's kind of weird. And Laura's like, yeah, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Stop. Don't talk to strangers. <laughs> I was like, like don't, don't even make eye contact with yeah, them. Look down. Like, like stare, stare at the ground. I don't know, you're making lots of eye contact. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, why? why? Why would I not? I don't know. I'm just used to opening doors for people. Yeah. It was funny because there was like, she wasn't with me, and I was uh, – I was getting off the subway and I bumped into this lady because I had no idea where I was going and I knocked over a briefcase. And of course, I'm being the nice young Southern gentleman that I am at this oh, point. Help you with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She thought I was robbing her and she dropped everything and ran. Are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, oh. She uh, thought you were robbing her. Yeah. I had to like chase her down and be like, ma'am, I'm, this is. I'm, so you're running I after her. I was trying her. to yeah. help her. Oh, yeah. And she, of course, <laughs> she's screaming. She's like oh, running yeah. for her life. Oh, yeah. I was in the, uh, it was in the, I think it's the Penn Station um, train stop, the one that's closest to uh, Wall Street. 
Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, Wall Street was probably Burrow Hall. It was, yeah. Oh, it was Burrow Hall. And Burrow oh, Hall. and there's tons of people, and I, I, everybody's a hundred percent sure that I am robbing this lady. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm just trying to give her a briefcase back. I promise. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> we, um, a friend of mine used to. You remember couch surfing? Is that still a thing? Do people I still remember couch that. Surf? I think I think it turned into Airbnb. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, when it was couch surfing, a friend oh, of mine I remember was that. A host. Yeah. It was super cool. Back when it was the hipster thing to do. Um, uh, a friend of mine was a host, and he he would host people from all over the country all the mm-hmm. time because he surfed a lot uh, going around mm-hmm. the world. And uh, I distinctly remember sitting on somebody's front porch over in, like, the Highland area, and somebody walked by, and we all kind of waved, you know, just like typical thing. Yeah. And the dude that was crashing with us who was from the West Coast was just like, yeah, we don't do that. Like, you don't wave at strangers, you know. It's still weird. People in our neighborhood do that to me. They're always like, hey, and I'm like, do I, do I know that person? And he's always like, no, just wave at them. Yeah. Even when I'm driving, I sometimes... Yeah, still, Like, if you make wave. eye contact, it's like, hey, it's I don't so know. It's weird. just Southern culture, I guess. Oh, yeah. I think in, in general, I've kind of taken on the uh, the idea that I've always met everyone. Like, there's it's very seldom that I, I walk up to somebody, especially in our establishments, and I'm like, hey, it's nice to meet you. My name's Mud or my name's Larry, whatever I'm going to come yeah. with. And it's because it's just so many times somebody's like, oh, well, we've met before. We've already met. Dude, is that, that not the worst feeling? Oh, yeah, you have that awkward back and forth. So now I just always assume I know everybody. Yeah. And then when they're like, no, no, it's nice to meet you. I'm like, oh, yeah, you too. I never have to worry about that. I quarter to you. I got the I got the same approach, man. I just walk up to everyone, like, hey, man, what's going on? Oh, yeah. Hard to beat, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, Either the first time or the tenth time. You can't. There's nothing worse than be like, hey, how's it going? My name's Alex. And they're like, yeah, we've met before. I, I know you, Alex. They're like, oh, God, yeah, you, you're, at, you're at mom's and you're drunk. And they're yeah. Like, oh, man. Uh. Dude. Ah, uh, what's your name again? Sorry. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's harsh. Yeah, it's um, that's that's always the weird thing. So I've I've learned to circumvent that, but just assuming I know everybody, and especially being like my size, a lot of times I just like walk up and like start like you know like shaking people's hands or hugging people. They're just like, oh, okay, cool. You have a very dominant presence. You know, yeah, you so. know just being large. That's cool. Um, so things got serious between you guys after the long term relationships uh, fizzled out that you had prior, and mm-hmm. he was able to convince you to come to Alabama. Other than you convincing him to go to New York. So. Well, I started visiting, and it, um, I just, I really liked it down here. I was getting kind of tired of New York. I'd been there for, I'd been, you know, I graduated from college, moved back, and I'd been there for, um, I guess, like eight or nine years at that point, and like, you know, like as an adult. Um, and it was, I was just kind of, it's kind of over it. It's really fast paced. The cost yeah. of living is really high. Um, I'd been saving up money. I was living with my mom and working all the time to save money to open a bar that I wanted to eventually open. And it was like, oh, like, I think I had a lot of money. And then I'd, like, look at, like, retail spaces. And I'd be like, I guess I'm going to live in my mom's basement until I'm 50. Like, let's go. Or so, just live above the bar. You know, yeah. Just live at the bar. I mean, you can't afford a building, though. Dude, it's I so can't expensive. imagine what real estate's yeah. like there. Were you trying to open one in Brooklyn? I wanted to open a bar in New York, and it just got to the point where I was like, okay, this is clearly not going to happen. So I started coming to Birmingham, and my my kind of lease situation was ending. Mud was like, why don't you just move here, even if it's, like, temporary, and then we'll just – we'll, like – travel to different cities mostly in the south and decide where we want to open a bar that was a great idea because like in new york you really can't open a bar unless you have so much money that you can set it on fire for fun like yeah i can imagine yeah so i came here started visiting other cities but also being here as a home base and finally not super long into it we're kind of like fuck it like we're just gonna do it in birmingham 
Mm. You know, like I was like, I actually really like it here. I feel like the city is like ready for, you know, for the concept we want to do. Cause there's some, I was a little worried. I was like, maybe this is too like, I don't know, intense. Like Queens Park is a lot, like it's a lot yeah. of drinks, but, yeah. um, but no, we just figured it was time and I guess it was. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, you, uh, Katie was actually talking earlier about we uh, we did visit the Miracle on Twenty Fourth. Uh, <laughs> oh, this year, this smashing season? success. Yes, yeah, we were yeah, there. It was a uh, we success. stood out line, stood outside in the line for like an hour before we could get in. And I'm so then, sorry, uh, <laughs> but we were blown away, man. The deck, the it was decor, a lot. and y'all, yeah. you guys go all out. It's well, insane. it's funny. We found pictures this year from our first year, and it was like our staff was roasting us over really? how bad the decor was our first year. Like I think, and people our first year were like this is awesome and it's just every year subsequently we've done more and more and the staff like i think it's kind of like a competition at this point like we got outdo last year dude and yeah this year was wild but especially compared to pictures of our first year it was like oh man i I was i was walking out and i usually am dressed in like 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 carhartt baggy pants and like a t-shirt and like a hoodie like i do not look like not that there's like I think there's just a stereotypical idea of like what the bar owner looks like and is acting like and I'm like guess, wearing a yeah. mask and I'm like I was like oh and I was walking by the line this lady's like yeah I heard they hired a professional decorating team and like an interior designer this year and like these people were oh, like you're just hearing the yeah gossip. it was like yeah, it was like okay. a mean girl it was like all the shit they were saying I was like oh wow okay like uh, they weren't you know they wouldn't say it in front of me as the bar owner but in front of the like janitorial supervisor oh, yeah. they were happy to say it. and i was like oh if only they do it was just a bunch of hot glue and and you know just decor that we just pop up on the wall and hope for the but, best. man i was looking at it i was like even if they did like if you're just slapping stuff on the wall like still how long did it take That's to like get 200 t- man hours total That's crazy. yeah it shows it Thanks. shows we did it we did a 24-hour flip again this, this past year, year yeah uh, 24 we, hours yeah yeah, we had wow. our, we have our we closed both of the less than twenty four, honest. Well, oh, twenty four. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a we had a friendsgiving at the end of it. So yeah, we were done by. We started at nine in the morning and we finished at about seven p.m. But we came the next day too and we did. Some yeah, there's still some yeah. things that we had to do, but the hardest thing is getting all the stuff on the ceiling because yeah, the biggest thing that we've noticed is that yeah, garland and lights and presents hanging down. You need to have. They're like this is. Uh, I feel like there's like a. I feel like OSHA, if you're listening, turn it off. Um, but it's basically like we have like seven people on ladders just like moving throughout the space. Um, making Jumping me very ladders. Anxious. You know, no big deal. Swinging from the ceiling. You said it, not me. Um, but it gets it gets kind of wild. But yeah, it's like the staff is just like each person has like a bunch of shit on the top of their ladder. And they're just like jumping around the space because it's really the only way to do it. I wish – I mean, I'm considering – just pulling all the furniture out and getting one of those lifts at yeah. this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd make it a little faster, yeah. I guess. But uh, now, when you guys, do you just unleash the staff? And you're like, here, where do you get all the decor that you guys are putting up? So Let's we've accumulated it over four years. <laughs> okay. um, there are just, it's like a lot of different places. Um, Walmart is really good. Like, especially in January, they have a lot of sales. Um so I'll start just, prepping in January for the, the next year. Oh, this year. is a year-long affair. <laughs> yeah, we have, so, we have people already asking to do buyouts for next Christmas. We have stuff, like, booked already for next <laughs> Whoa, year. Oh, yeah. really? I think this past year we started actually, like, figuring out exactly what we wanted to charge and what the expected goals are going to be and what buyouts were going to be in August or September. And we had to already do it because this people year, in January were yeah. like, we want to make sure that we get the date that we really want. Yeah, so it's when really you say wild. buyout, people rent the like whole, the whole space. space. Yeah, because okay. you can't do. We don't do reservation. Like in general, we don't really do them. It's just not. 
the space is so small that you can't have, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand what goes into a reservation system. Like I have friends from college that I still hang out with that'll be like, oh yeah, I had a reservation, but it's like, we just don't have to show up. And I'm like, cancel it right now. Um, but at, cause there's nothing worse than holding a table. Cause that's the thing. Even the if they show, show up, even if they do show up, you have to hold it. Like if it's a big table, sometimes it's like an hour or more and it's not, it just doesn't, you know, if you're busy anyways, it's like, it's not the most efficient. It's not cost efficient. Cost I realize that people prefer being able to do it. And if we were a larger space, it would totally be possible, but we really have to, you know, be cognizant of the fact that we have maybe a thousand square feet for our guests to be in. And in order for us to continue to be open and pay our rent and pay our employees health insurance and stuff, like we have to be continuously full. We can't just like keep a table empty for an hour. I think that's understandable, especially for a popular place, you know, like just wait in line like everybody else. Or just go like, or get there early. Get there, yeah. Know. Just don't go. If you like, people be like, "Is it going to be busy at ten o'clock on a Saturday?" And it's like, "Yes, yeah, yeah." It's going to be really busy <laughs> as soon as they open. Yeah, I don't know. It's like Sunday at like you know nine is a great time. Now, yeah. you guys open every day at Queens. During Park? Miracle, we're open seven days a week, seven. but normally Queens Park and Yum Moon are both closed on Mondays. That's pretty common, I guess, in the um, bar scene. I don't know. In Maybe Birmingham, not. it is. In New York, it's pretty uncommon. But I found that it worked a lot better with our goals in terms of um, we just do kind of weird stuff that other places don't in terms of, yes. Oh, awesome. Yes. Thank you, Kate. Oh, man. She just came in and saved the day. I'll set this right uh, you can set it right here. Oh, here you go. Um, right. <laughs> oh, I'll take yours. The Marg mix. Um, so... In Birmingham, it seems more common, and I don't know if this is... I think, like, culturally, it's pretty common in the South, like, especially on Sunday, for people to, like, attend religious services and then dine at their house. That seems like a pretty common thing here culturally. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, And then Mondays, I'm not really sure why places are closed on Mondays, but we do notice, um, not so much this past year, but, but in previous years with Miracle, Monday was always our slowest day. So it makes sense for us to be closed. I think it's just not, I guess people just don't think to go out on Monday. I don't know. In New York, I used to go out on Mondays all the time. But. Dude, I've always wondered that. We, um, you know, other bartenders I've talked to, I'm like, why are you guys always closed when it seems like I'm off? You know, I used like, to work Mondays. Like, I worked like every Monday for like almost a decade in New York. Like, I was the Monday person. Yeah. I always worked Mondays. I great Monday regulars. Because everybody's but, got different schedules. Yeah. There's always going to mm-hmm. be a crowd that's like, Monday night is the night. I will say, in a city of 9 million people, that crowd's sure. going to be a little bigger than in Birmingham. Fair um, enough. Fair which enough. is the, the caveat I'll use there. But um, yeah, we're closed on Mondays. We do like... We do like an all staff meeting. We like go over everyone talks about like service notes or issues they're having, like the staff, not just the managers. Um, we kind of do like weekly deep cleaning stuff instead of making them stay late after work to do these. Excuse me, to do these things. Um, so it makes sense to be closed one day of the week to sure. accomplish. Yeah, and then we also to... we'll usually do like an educational session. We like take them out to dinner or drinks or or do like a pool party at our house or something. So it's just it's nice to. If you're open seven days a week, people don't, like, meet each other otherwise. Like, there are always people that aren't scheduled together. And, sure. like, I've worked at places where I was like, hey, I don't really know you, but I guess we work together. We've been working together for a year. Yeah. I don't know your name. Yeah, because yeah, we were on different days. I sure. guess, like, with nine to fives, that's not as common. But I always thought that was weird. So I like that we have one day a week where the entire team kind of comes together. Sure. Kind of a breather, uh-huh. you know. Um, well, yeah. Uh, so how... How did this year compare to other years as far as the Miracle on 24th? Was this the 
Does it just get bigger every year? Yes. This was this was the biggest year, and it was we we typically expect like a a marginal increase from like ten to fifteen percent of uh, each day going forward to kind of project and tell our staff what to expect every day when they walk into work uh, outside of like weather days and stuff. So we always. We always create a uh, a map of all the years and stack them together and do. Every, I'm, I'm such a numbers dude, person. dude. Yeah, man. That's yeah, like, we have like calendars have that yeah. the staff can come see and like compare like this day, like on this day we've we've previously done X X and X, and then like for reporting purposes we like color code it. It yeah, we're like. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. But it's cool. Yeah. It's cool for them to come in and see, like, and to be like, I'm so tired. It's been so busy. And then be like, fuck yeah, we just, like, broke every sales record we've ever had. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. I feel like it, just having a goal in general, it's kind of like uh, when you set personal records for yourself in business or, like, when you're working out or running and stuff, you always have a goal of, like, what we're going to be. It's like, okay, we did this amount yesterday, last year. We want to beat that this year. Yeah. And that was kind of the, the mindset that we came into it. And I want to say out of the 40-ish days of Miracle this year – we did all but four. We beat our, our, our previous record from the other years all to combined. Dude. Yeah, so it was a, a little bit a little bit bigger of an increase, but this, this coming year we're trying to figure out the, the best way to make more people happy. Yeah. And obviously to do more business and get more of our staff more shifts and things of that nature and, you know, grow as much as we can. So we're trying to figure out how to get a bigger space. Yeah. That's kind of the, the next big thing. And – uh now Lola, our dog. I'm is so sorry. Going I, crazy. Have, I have definitely. I'm like the reason for this. No, yeah, you kind of have to ignore, and then she'll kind of like, oh, they don't want to play. It's, no, but it's if like she gets I any whip that play. you want to play. Then I always want to like, play, so I'm the worst. We have four dogs. Laura loves dogs. It's crazy. Yeah, I would have. I really wanted to be a vet when I was a kid, but I get really, really, really upset by even the idea of animal suffering. Like they're like, we'll be watching movies, and I'll start like sobbing in our house if something happens to the animal. So I was like, probably not the career choice. Yeah, Lola's our official mascot. Our She's Yorkie. very cute. Uh, we'll see if she mellows out. If she doesn't, we'll take a pause and play with lock her. her in a cage oh, upstairs. No, no I'm kidding. Her. I'm kidding. We don't do that. Toss her out. Yeah. Where her Just put her outside in the backyard. Um, well, dude, uh, kudos to the, the growth and expansion and the success of Queens Park and everything that you guys. Do y'all do any other big events throughout the year that, that rivals the Miracle on 24th? Y'all have a big Halloween celebration or anything? So we, we try to do Halloween and we try to make it as well, big as possible, yeah. but doing a, for us doing a pop-up in general is such an immersive experience. Sure. And we want to make sure that it's, A, it's, it's fun for everybody and that it's like a, a full-on experience, but uh, for lack of a better way, we just don't half-ass things, I guess yeah. is the best way. So yeah. I think we're kind of worried that if we try to do another date. We're going to do a St. Patty's. We're going to do a Thanksgiving. We're yeah. gonna do a, there are yeah. not enough storage units in the Birmingham metro area for what that needs. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like it's so much glassware and that kind of stuff. that We have a tremendously large storage unit that is just Christmas. Just now. Christmas. Oh, yeah. I've always uh, – I keep having these recurring nightmares that – for some reason, we forget to uh, pay our actual <laughs> lease on the on the unit, and there's like a storage war, and they're like, "Oh, I can't wait to Do get not the hit re- the mother load." Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to get in unit 109, and they they open the door, and it's like, "Oh, it's just a bunch of Christmas shit." Like, what is this? <laughs> like, who are these deranged <laughs> people? I got five dollars. Five dollars, dude. Um, yeah, because from the glassware to the to just yeah. everything, man, you guys like it's had all the thing. little details. Oh yeah, but so all, cool. see, all that stuff's hidden just in case somebody gets in there and they have to like crawl through all that stuff. So yeah. We put a lot of stuff in the middle of the floor. And for anybody that's thinking about robbing the, the storage <laughs> oh, yeah. unit of Christmas gear, yeah, yeah, it's de- it's definitely at the, the worst place it could possibly be at, and you'd never find it. But for but the uh, I think the, the the other thing that we were talking about doing this year is there's another version of uh, the Christmas yes. pop up, and okay. that's called 
uh, Sip and Santa. Sip and Santa's so Surf Shack. Santa. Yeah, it's Sip and Santa Surf Shack. And instead of it being as much like cocktail focused and four cocktail bars, Sip and Santa is more of a dive bar version and a little oh, bit of okay. tiki. Which is awesome because Hey, I, I love tiki, man. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, oh, that'd be cool. And we already, we already have we this like- We happen to own a divey bar. Yeah. And so in Neon Moon this coming year, we're planning on launching Sip and Santa, which was one of our original ideas pre-pandemic and that kind of shelved that and- Shelf the opening of Neon Moon and everything kind of got pushed back a lot farther yeah. than we expected. And that's why we have uh, like a 20-foot palapa, like a, a tiki bar covering in our basement that we can't use yet. But next year, we're going to put next the palapa year, up and we're going to tiki it up. So that's going to go on Neon Moon. Okay. Yes. And that old double barrel. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it's cool, too, because it's like I love the idea. I worked for this group in New York for eight years where the guy owned at one point like 15 bars and restaurants and like and half of them were within like five blocks of each other and it was super cool because i'd be working at one of the bars and people would come in and be like i'd be like cool like what's on tap for the rest of your night like i kind of have a kind of some stock questions i would ask people and they'd be like oh i'm going here 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 and like 90 percent of them would be places that this guy owned and i was like oh okay like you're just you you're cool it's like all your money is just yeah take my shut up and take my money cool it's so, hitting all the different genres yes yeah, so i yeah. like the idea of it's like car dealerships i guess like i like the idea of keeping all of our stuff really close by but having really different offerings so yeah, it's cool like you go to for everybody you go to miracle you got like the more sit down experience and then you go to sip and santa and you get more the dive tiki experience so it's cool and then you know not christmas time it's like queen's park for cocktails neon moon for like light up dance floor country karaoke yeah man um which we will get into all that that's awesome so what year did queen's park open how long have you guys been so doing we that? opened into miracle which i would never recommend to anyone ever if you value your sanity and loved ones uh in 2018 and then queen's park officially opened in 2019 so we like opened november 2018 as miracle on 24th street which is at queen's park and then we shut down for a week in january and then reopened as queen's park in 2019 so what was the the reasoning behind doing that? Um, well, it's like every bar we expected to open like six months earlier than we did. And it was like, all right, we're just opening into Miracle. Like, roll tide, let's go. And we just, you know, made Dude. it work. Okay. Well, cool. It really so it's, it's relatively new then. You guys uh -huh. have only been there a few years. Wow. Yeah. So we're yeah. in year, we're in the midst of year four now, right? Eight, 19, yeah, 20, 21, 22. Yeah. We're in the midst of year four. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Third anniversary would have just happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was funny because we'd already signed up for Miracle and we'd already signed all the paperwork and all this stuff because we were sure that we were going to be able to open about at least three, <laughs> like, if not closer, like four September or five months prior or to September or August of 2018. Yeah, we were actually at this uh, this bartender event in San Diego and we were talking to this guy and he, he, he kind of seemed kind of weird. We were at this, it was a, a barber shop pop-up that they were doing cocktails at. And, we were and like, haircuts. It was already a weird, yeah, it was a weird, people were getting their haircut, and we're just hanging out, drinking drinks around them. It's, We've already signed the lease for Queens Park. Like, they're, we're in San Diego while our team is building out the bar, and there's this guy who's, like, he's he's wearing, like, a, like a, kind of a button-up, like I am, like a short sleeve button-up, and then, like, a boat hat, and these, like, tinted sunglasses, and he kind of, like, like, in retrospect, it's like, oh, he definitely, like, came up to us, but he starts, start talking to him, and he, he doesn't seem like he's in the industry at all. He's just like, I make cocktails at my cabin in the woods where I live in upstate New York. And we're like, okay. And we're like talking to this guy. And like, but he's really interesting. Like, I feel like some people might have been like, okay, you're fucking weird. But I'm like, no, this is awesome. We're weird. And so we're talking to him. All this great, this. great yes. conversation for like 
hours. Like, so interesting. And then all of a sudden, he's like, well, I have to get going. But by the way, my my name is Greg. I own this thing called Cocktail Kingdom. You might have heard of. And Mudd and I are like, like, Cocktail Kingdom Cocktail is like Kingdom. the number one purveyor of barware. Like, they make this incredible barware. It's like maybe not number oh, okay. one by volume, but it's considered like top tier level. Like, all my stuff is Cocktail Kingdom. Um, and it's what we use at the bars. And he's like, yeah, I own Cocktail Kingdom. Um, I do this thing every year. It's like a weird little Christmas thing. And I think you guys would be perfect for it. Um, here's my card. Shoot me, shoot my assistant an email. And we were like, oh, so that was like him actually vetting us for this thing. Okay, crafty. Um, so in yeah. the bar world, he's like, he's a like a big huge deal. deal. And like we just had deal. no okay. idea. And that's like a big thing. I always tell my staff, I'm like, you have no idea who you're talking to. Like, not that you should ever be a dick to anyone, but you should always treat everyone like. Sure, yeah you know, who you might be able to be like this, some huge person that's about to present me with this incredible opportunity because first of all, you should just treat people that way always. But it's like, you know, if we'd been like, okay, bye. Like, yeah, weirdo. Yeah. yeah. Like person who lives in the <laughs> nice woods hat. and talks about cocktails, it you know, he wouldn't, we would never have done miracle, which yeah. is like the reason we can do weird stuff the rest of the year. And yeah, so we're super grateful to Greg. He's just been super supportive of us, like, as small business owners. He's given us, like, price breaks on things that, like, we normally shouldn't get price breaks on. Like, he's just, like, really, really cool about supporting us and being like, you guys, you know, you're so young. Like, I wish someone had, you know, supported me like this yeah. when I was young, so. That's awesome. Well, he believes in what you guys are doing mm-hmm. and stuff, so that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, super cool. We really want him to come down. He's never been to the bar, even though he's, like, such a big yeah. influence on it. Now, when you first came to Alabama and uh, you guys started kicking around ideas, were there any other bars in the southeast or around here that kind of you drew inspiration from? Or in general, maybe back home, any bars you were like, this is awesome, I want to do this? Um, um, well, Queenspark, I mean, we're named after both a cocktail. We're named after a cocktail that was named after a bar in um, Trinidad in Port of Spain. Okay. Um, it was like a like a fancy hotel. I don't know if you've been like – when I travel, which I'm really fortunate to get to do a lot for work, um, I try to go to, like, I love hotel bars. Like, I think they're super cool. Like, not necessarily, like, a Motel 6 bar, but, like, okay. fancy hotel bars I think are so cool. And this is what this was. It was, like, super grand. It was, like, palm trees and tropical, but also, like, crystal chandeliers and marble. So I feel like that really influenced kind of the vibe for us. And then hotel bars a lot of the time, not so much nowadays, but back in the day, like, in the 20s, 19 teens like golden age of cocktails they were locations where you could get like really good classics it wasn't just like you know these are miranda a friend of ours does beverage for a hotel group it wasn't just like miranda's drinks it was like you know classic cocktails here so that i think that definitely inspired us it unfortunately closed in 2006 really yeah but it was open like starting in the late 1800s so had a really good run yeah dude that's awesome well, you guys uh, didn't think you had enough going on with Queens Park, so you decided <laughs> to open a second bar. Uh, where did the idea to like open up a kind of a country honky tonk style <laughs> dance floor yeah. bar come from, and, and when did that take place? So that was that was a little bit of a different approach. We were really wanted to open, so we had the, we had the cocktail bar, and the cocktail bar was doing really really good, and you know it's it fit into the market, and we were super happy with how it turned out. So we were. You know, we're sitting there, and we're like, man, I think we want a more of a, a neighborhood dive bar. And that was where we kind of started from. And we were like, we were like, let's, let's try to make something that's way more approachable to everybody. We want a place that you can go get a beer and shot and just, like, 
belly up and watch TV or uh, you know sing karaoke or things. Very inspired by the bar Matthew McConaughey was working at in True Detective. Okay. To make a really obscure reference. Yeah, gotcha. and it, it was like uh, we wanted something that was going to be way more approachable to everybody because we knew that if we open up a bar next to Queens Park, it couldn't be a cocktail bar, and we had right. to have something that was sure, completely you different. Steal from one yeah. bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and so we sense. started we started tossing around names, and we came up with the idea of Neon Moon. Which was has, the song playing? When it absolutely not. My attorney has told <laughs> me to t- my my attorney has advised us to tell you that we were in no way inspired at all by any published songs, and we've never listened to those songs. Oh, you don't even know what song I'm talking I about. I have no idea. What I you're don't talking know. Brooks or Dunn. Oh, yeah, okay. I've never heard right. that. I've never met them. Fair um, enough. Yeah, so we were like, man, I think Neon Moon's a really, really cool name for a bar. And we started thinking about branding. Y'all were just looking through your telescope. And uh-huh. like, yeah, yeah. yeah we're just stargazing. stargazing. Sure. Yeah. And so when we were, we were opening Queens Park, we really loved neon signs. And we found a really good neon sign purveyor. And so we started thinking about we started thinking about the neon signs and what the lighting was going to look like. But just in general, like successful bars or bars that are fun for us to go to are always places that have really good music, really good lighting. And that was the first thing that was coming up. I was like, man, I think we need a gigantic moon. And, you know, then we everything else just kind of came together. And I was like, man, you know, at, at Bell Bottoms, I love the light-up dance floor. And obviously, okay. I didn't want to build it the same way, and I didn't want to copy it. But I was like, I think we need something that's going to set us apart from everybody else and something that you can see from the street. And so we started looking around, and we shopped up the idea of the what the, is a dance floor. And Laura figured out how to... Source this from a guy here in the states through China. Wow! And <laughs> have you guys been to the the club and seen their? Uh, oh yeah, that's that's floor? super sure. fancy. Wasn't that the one I've heard? This, maybe you could put this to rest. I've heard old urban legend that uh, the club is located on Red Mountain in Birmingham. If you're not familiar with Birmingham, um, they're like a private club, country club type deal. But anyways, they have a light up dance floor, and I've heard that that very dance floor was the inspiration for Saturday Night Fever. Hundred percent. Okay, so that's true. Yeah, they actually shot. They actually shot part of the movie inside of the club. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It wasn't. It cool. wasn't all done on the dance floor, but that had a lot to do with the uh, the final scenes in Saturday Night Fever. Sweet. Okay. Sweet. Okay. So, anyways, you guys, you you know, you want that, but how do you go about getting a light up dance floor? Well, yes. I think it's also what Mud's not really also saying is that Queens Park is very much. Um, if we had to make Sophie's choice, Queens Park is my bar and Yamun is his bar. And he was very, okay, very nice cool. in opening yeah. my bar for me first. But he, we, the whole goal was that each of us had at least one bar that was kind of like our vision. And so Queens Park was built. It just, it made more sense for the space. Like we wanted to start with something less like, yeah, so it's kind of a narrow space. It just know. worked. You're not it, gonna have a dance floor in there. I wouldn't yeah, think. and it just—I think it just made like I can't imagine Queens Park in any Yaman space. I simply can't. So, anyways, he was so nice, and he put so much time and effort into like achieving my vision. So I was like, all right, babe, it's time for you. So. Neon Moon was kind of his. It was cool because I do all our graph, all our interior design as well as our graphic design, and he, you know, Queens Park was just. You know, I would ask Mud for his opinion, but it was really like my vision and like my baby. But Neon Moon, it was like, okay, what's your vision? Like, I'm going to execute it. So it was cool having him like as a client for interior design and graphic design and menu design and, you know, cocktail design. That's awesome. You guys are like a power couple. That's awesome. Yeah. So we, yeah, we really don't shop stuff out. Like, we do pretty much everything in house. And so with 
neon. It was just kind of like mud being like, I was like, all right, like, what do you want? He was like, dance floor. I was like, okay, great. I'm going to figure it out. So, um, figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I source a lot of our stuff directly from China, actually. Like, I, I have these contacts at Chinese factories that I've made over the years. Um, and they're great. We have this one woman, Icy. I'm obsessed with her. Um, She's obsessed she, with me, actually. She thinks my name is Larry. Um, <laughs> it's a really long story. But she thinks I'm him. And she sends me, like, really flirty messages. But then I send her stuff that it's, like, meant to be, like, women supporting women. But if you think it's, like, it, but it's, like, from a woman, it's, like, yeah. supported. But from, like, a man, it's, like, really flirty kind of. Oh, like, okay. You know, okay. like, like, thanks, Icy. Like, I can always count on you. Like, and it's... <laughs> Like, hey, whatever works, man. Yeah, I guess. But I always forget. And then I'm like, oh, she thinks I'm like a dude. And then she sends me like little emojis and like hearts and stuff. I'm like, all right, I see. We're just working together. Power couple. Um, But for the dance floor, I actually went through a middleman um, just because it's like technic. Like I can talk all about like widths of like cardboard and paper for coasters. But like a dance floor is like technically just kind of. Yeah, it's got to be like. So we went with um, you gotta be a, able to stomp all over it. Yeah, not break. exactly. You know I mean? Like I didn't know like how it worked. Anyway, so I found like I found a guy who does who works basically as a middleman communicating with a Chinese factory to get custom dance floors brought in. So wow. worked with him, um, but this was in the middle of COVID, so it was like okay, they have to like we have to wait because no one can work in the factory because of like COVID protocol, and then it was like okay, well we have to ship it to the United States. Like this is gonna be. You know, this is going to be a, such a mess getting it here. Um, so it took us, like, a year to get. And I had to, like, pass. It took, like, just, like, two or three months in customs in the U.S. Like, it was just such a wild process. I will hopefully never do that again. So they packed your dance floor up and put it put in it boxes. And put yep. it on a boat and mailed it mm-hmm. to you. Okay. All right. So you finally get the dance floor. Oh, and then all the instructions were on half a piece of paper in Mandarin. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I don't speak Mandarin at all. It had some pictures and some numbers. I mean, it, we're skipping the point that it gets here, and we finally get it through customs, and we finally get it into the city of Birmingham. What? what okay, let's stop. How big was the package? Oh, we had to put it in a in a truck. Yeah, it was in it was it was like multiple pallets. It was three pallets. I imagine it's like squares that interconnect. Yeah, that but then there are other parts. There's like edging and there's like electronic components. But like, it just sits on top of your concrete floor. That's it does. There. Yeah, you it's not built in. It. No. Okay. Okay. Um, that's really challenging to trench concrete to the exact, sure. but yeah, it's a lot. I can um, only imagine so it's easier for it to be up with a ramp. Yeah. So we had to rent a truck. And again, like we're really big on like, we do everything ourselves. We like had to rent a truck, go to the airport, like sign all these customs forms, like inspect this. We're in this like massive warehouse. And then this guy like on like multiple forklifts are like pushing shit onto the, it was just like so dramatic. It was so much. Yeah, so we we finally get it to the bar, and we're like, dead set. But it's like, we're opening it for service tonight, and it's like, we're supposed to open it in like three and a half hours. I was like, okay, oh, good dude, luck with well, that. that. You're chomping at the bit, man. Oh, You're I, like, we've been waiting on it. Gotta have it. Oh, yeah, and we've been open for like a little over like three months, I believe. Two no, and it was and a couple months. weeks. Oh, it so y'all opened long. without the. Without yeah, the just because it was trapped. It was stuck, and, you know, we didn't know where the dance, you know, it was like, we have to we're open. Like, we're ready to roll. Yeah. We gotta have it. Yeah. it was yeah. so great. I mean, the guy, like this middleman guy, kind of went off the deep end. He was like sending these all caps emails to like the customs brokers that we were CC'd on. Like, release this. Exactly. Like, it was really, it was so much. Oh, yeah. It was, dude, that's it, intense, man. It was a whole lot. So we get it. We get it down, and I rent a truck, and we go pick up the uh, the dance floor, and bring it to Queen or we, to Neon. We pull up, we pull up in the parking lot next door, and I, I remember I uh, I had uh, one of my one of my uh, managers 
And then I had another bartender and our prep person. They all walk out to the truck and they, we open the door and they're all, I see all their eyes light up and they're like, oh shit. <laughs> so we start, we start breaking down these pallets and every box has got three tiles in it and all the tiles weigh about, I'd say 10 to 15 pounds a piece. And so they're, they're, we're, we're just, we're, we finally get it out, broken down and inside of the bar at probably around like 2.30 and we're supposed to open at 4. Oh, so dude. We, we pop Are out. Y'all, you're, you're still dead set on getting oh, it set up. 100%. He was, so I, I, this, I think around what? this point was when I was like, we cannot agree, so I am leaving because I cannot be a part yeah, of I'd this. I'd have been like, just put it in the back. We, yeah, gotta, we can't I'm deal like with this right now. I'm like dying of an anxiety attack, so I just left. And then yeah, so, I don't even know what happened because I left. So I, funny, I call one of my buddies who's done a bunch of breaking down and uh, he's done like the Price is Right Live and all these crazy things. Like and staging overseas. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His yeah. name is Michael and he's, he's a wonderful friend of mine and a wonderful like a friend of mine. full on bar. grip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he comes in, he looks at it and he goes, Bro. He's like, Mom, I'm going to be that guy that's going to go ahead and just break it to you. This didn't happen today. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, he's like but we can we get through the weekend. You've already, you've already been open for a little bit. Go, let's go ahead and get through the weekend. On Monday, we're going to put this thing together. Monday. And I think it took us, we got there at about 10 o'clock in the morning. I think we got oh, done. It was a whole day. Yeah, it was about 7, 7 o'clock p.m. that we got through um, with a ton of help. And would never Dude. have been able to figure this out without it. Yeah. Him. Now, does it just, just plug into the wall? How do you light this thing it, up? It does actually just plug it. It's not hardwired. Like, it's... It's a plug-in thing. It's actually multiple plugs, though, because okay, you can't. Okay, because it's different pieces. Well, it's, it's multiple pieces. A fun thing that you learn about um, that you don't really I'm gonna see. I'm going to go with, buy a dance floor. <laughs> I Yeah. Well, fun thing with um, you also learn about, like, major commercial restaurant equipment is most outlets can only handle a certain amount of electrical draw on them. Sure. So, for example, I can't run two commercial induction burners off of a standard outlet. You can only run one off of a standard outlet because it's usually 60. Amps, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So same thing with the dance floor. It has to run off of two separate um, two separate plugs. Two separate circuits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the funny thing is, is that it's all it all runs off of individual cells that all go in one line. And so you get you set up a line, and they all hook together through XLR cords. Oh, because okay. Yeah. That's like DMX or DM. Yeah. What is it? There's like a name for it, mm-hmm. like LED lights and staging lights. They all run oh, off XLR yeah. cabling. Yeah, so it has XLRs because theoretically you're supposed to be able to plug it into a speaker. Yeah, and it it, react it, it, it reacts to, to the, the sound. sound. Oh yeah. wow, okay. And does it do that? It does. do It's that. set up to do that. Yeah. Oh, you can set it up to do it, but the problem is, is that the amount of people that are on top of it, it during it a busy fucks time, up the sound recognition. Oh, when people are stomping on it, yeah. so it reacts to that just as much. So yeah. it just it doesn't. Stay it's really chaotic. You do it. If you, yeah. if there's no one in the space and we turn it on the sound version, it's it beautiful. Looks cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. But the once you get busy, you just can't actually use it. So it's kind of like, well, if you guys want to stand around the dance floor and watch it move, <laughs> we can do that. But if not, then yeah, it's kind of a useless function. But yeah, it's the maintenance on it has been not near as hard as I thought. We were really worried that. Uh, if we didn't oh, do it correctly. somebody spills a drink on it. Or um, it's not that bad. You just pick up the tile. You can actually just pull them out and then like clean them and clean underneath and then kind of pop it back. It's not. It's more complicated than that, but okay. essentially. But it's pretty durable. You haven't broken. Yeah, them. um, we've had some heels break them. <laughs> That's what. I, okay. Glasses. Yeah. A lot of boots in neon. A lot dude. of boots. A lot of boots. Yeah. <laughs> a crazy. A lot of boot of scooting boots. going on. It's not on. even boot scooting. Yeah. It's high heels. High heels. The, okay. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure in one point. That's the. Hmm. Yeah, like a cowboy boot, not so bad. But um, yeah, it's like things I never thought I would, like, learn or be good at, like. 
we're really big. Again, like we save so much money doing this, but it's like, okay, we're going to learn life skills and just like figure these things out. Um, which is really cool. Like I'm really good at graphic design now and I've never been taught by anyone. I'm just like self-taught over, over 10 years. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, Oh, I know how to assemble and maintain dance floors. <laughs> now, have you broken any of those panels that needed to be? Oh, replaced? we've had we've had heels break them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when we, it breaks, you have to get another. piece. Yeah. We well, we have extras. I'm worried about what happens when we run out of the extras. Oh, okay. That's what yeah. I was wondering is if you still had like a contact mm-hmm. that's like. I guess we could reach out to him support. and be like, "Hey, dude, like, I need some panels." Preemptively order some. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're not quite at the preemptive order, but yeah, that's definitely we're. I really don't like being reactive to like, oh my God, we're out of something. Like, uh, I'd rather just be proactive and be like, okay, yeah, like, definitely. what's the inventory? Cool. So, we're, we're planning on making it way bigger. And How big is the dance floor? The dance floor 15 now is. 15 by 15? Yeah, give or take. Yeah. 15 feet? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think technically, yeah, it's like 13. It's technically and a half. in meters, but yeah, it's a meters. approximately yeah, it's like, 15 by 15. It's like 13 and a half by 14 and a half, I think, like almost directly. But you guys got it right up against the window and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it's the first it's thing the you see yeah. when you walk by, mm-hmm. man. It's like, just catches your eye. Yeah. You're like, whoa. Does anybody else in town besides the club have a dance floor? Uh, not that I'm aware not of. The, not that lights up. Or um, anywhere. And I don't even mean this. Nanafunks has one. Oh, they do? Yeah, Nanafunks still has their raised dance floor, but there's no actual lights on the bottom of it. They have lights Uh, from above. I think a sidebar, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Um, But I would would definitely uh, tell people that are owning bars or thinking about opening bars with dance floors, um, I'm not even trying to just be like, this is our thing. It's just like, I don't know if I would. (laughs) That was, was a little... A lot, of, a lot of squeeze for a little juice. Yeah. So we finally get the dance floor in, and we've already kind of, like, honed down the concept. But in general, we thought we were going to open more of a neighborhood bar, and then all of a sudden dive people, bar. people that weren't from the city were coming. And they Dude, were... I've only heard, like, the crowds there on the it's weekends are insane. Oh, yeah, and you yeah. got people that are coming. Like, yeah. I remember uh, there was one weekend, there was one of our regulars who I've been serving for years, and uh, she was sitting there, and she was like, hey, I need to – there's a bunch of people here that I know – that are from my high school, and I don't really want to talk to them. Can is there somewhere I can go like get away from? I'm like, yeah, for sure. So I kind of like <laughs> stuffed her in my office because I've known her for years. And I trust her, and she. I was just like, so like, what's going on? And she's like, it's like a high school reunion in here. And I'm like, oh, like, did you go to like Hoover or like Best Dave? She goes, no, Pell City. Pell City. <laughs> I was like, coming from Pell City, man. She's like, there's that many people from Pell City in here. And she goes, it's yes. the dance floor. So after you guys got the dance floor in, you said you'd been open for a few weeks. Then you finally get the dance floor and kind of complete your vision. What changed? Did did the crowds change once the dance floor was in? Oh yeah, the crowds changed Im- immediately. Like, we immediately, were getting, <laughs> we're getting we're getting lots of people from Woo! outside dance the city. floors, baby. Yeah, we're getting lots of people from outside the city. But then it was like, okay, like all the Tuscaloosa kids started coming. Yeah, and then it's like it's a dance. The kids club. from St. Clair County started coming, and then that just it just started overtaking the bar. And a lot of people that live inside the city were like, oh, I'm I'm there's too many people in here. Sure, yeah, so, man. Pros and cons, a lot of people that live in the neighborhood come on slower times and come earlier in the day before the crowds get there. But, like, but for the, all intents and purposes, like, I at least on the weekends, I own a nightclub. Yeah. Yeah, and the – well, just in general, we were like, okay, we're going to play 90s country earlier in the night, and as the night progresses, we'll start playing more, like, top 40 and, you know, R&B and things of that nature and start playing some things that are easier to dance to. And we would start changing the music, and people would start booing. Oh, they booing. lost their they'd minds. Be like, hey, man, we came all the way from Pale City. I want some Alan Jackson, baby. Yeah. yeah like, I came all the way from Pale City. Like, we got a Brooks. hotel room. Like, I didn't come here we to listen to this. We got a hotel room. Oh, no, get, seriously. And so. Oh, we get lots of, like, I packed up the wagon and came to town. Yeah. And I expect to hear 
Nice. Kind of Chattahoochee. Yeah. And it, it was like, we started thinking every about Every fucking night. Every yeah. night, dude. Well, we started thinking about it. It's like, how many places can you go in the city and listen to Top 40? Sure. You know, other types of a dance lot. music. And it was like, maybe this is how we set ourselves apart. And then we just kind of put the, the line in the sand. It was like, hey, we sat down at a Monday meeting with the staff and I was like, hey, this is a, this this is a, is a country bar. Yeah. This is a 90s country bar. Yeah, well, this, is, like this is as close to a, a honky-tonk. A 90s country as, nightclub. 90s yeah, like, country this is, nightclub. This is, this is a honky-tonk, for lack of a better way to put it. It's not going to be anything different. And Do y'all have line dancing? Does that happen? We, see, we're working on <laughs> Dude. that. Dude. Finding... <laughs> step back, step forward. Yeah, so finding cool. somebody to teach line dancing has been a it's problem. A so oh, really? I'm currently trying to teach myself how to line dance. You can get out there. How to teach line dancing okay. so that I can do it myself. I've already got the lapel mic and all that kind of stuff. Is so. that line dancing what I'm thinking of? Yeah, like, there's uh, a place. Cool in... Runnings where they're all out there dancing. I don't know about Cool yeah. Runnings. I don't know about Cool Runnings, but... <laughs> well, um, Cool yeah. Runnings, he was in the bar. That's when he got in the fight. Oh. He's out there trying to dance oh, with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're all line dancing. Yeah, no, you're oh, right. Yeah. Um, like there's... Co- co- you know, like uh, Cotton Eye Joe. And, Technically, that's line dancing. Know, yeah. yeah, like Cotton Chattahoochee and... Um, What's the other one? There's there's so many different ones that oh you're talking like people. I've never done it. I don't know anything about line dancing. That's oh uh, you you we for a while there we had people that would come in there and they would try to do it and there were just so many people in front of the bar or in the dance floor area. That Can I come in if I don't have own cowboy boots? Oh for sure. Oh, yeah. Is that frowned upon? Okay. I don't think I, I, don't think I own, I've never owned cowboy boots in my life. He's never. I don't, th- I don't think I could dance. Well, he mostly boots. wears shorts, so I don't know how that would okay. look. Okay, boots and shorts, not really a combo. Yeah. But dude, uh, staying super busy, so that's that's awesome. Yeah, um, everything's going good. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's uh, it's definitely funny because it's a great example of you have this. You can have a vision for like the bar you open. Maybe not so much with restaurants, with bars. Like you can have a vision for what it's going to be, and then like maybe it, even the crowd that it's going to draw and. and stuff. The people actually decide what it is. So in our oh, case, okay. it's like we thought we were opening like a dive bar, neighborhood bar. And I mean, I guess it is kind of that vibe, like the first few hours that it's open. But it's more of like a honky tonk, in my opinion, than than anything else. So that's like the next if we do something next, we'll be like, yeah, I really want that dive bar. <laughs> so maybe you can help. me. I've asked this question before. And having not worked in a bar, not being up as on, on bar culture like you guys are, mm-hmm. how would you define a dive bar? What is a dive bar? A dive bar, um, it doesn't have cocktails. Okay. Um, All right. So my, my favorite bar in the world is, uh, it's right by my mom's house. It's a dive bar. Because um, I hear that term thrown out all the time. Oh, yeah, this is a dive bar. Yeah. And I've even asked people who work in bars, own bars, hey, what is a dive bar? And I'm, that, that answer kind of eludes me, you know? Yeah. Um, to me, like, I'm just, I'm basically just saying what this bar by my mom's house is like. Um, it doesn't have cocktails. Uh, it's most, it's like beers and spirits, maybe one and one. So one and one, if you don't work in the restaurant industry or know what that is, it's like base spirit plus like a mixer. So like a vodka cranberry, a a Jack and Coke, a vodka soda. Um, and a lot of the time the glassware is either reusable plastic or disposable plastic. Um, it's, it's. You know, not necessarily glass. So um, the fancy factor is like fancy way, way down. down. Way yeah. down. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, they might have like a lime garnish, but they're not going to like fresh juice probably. Okay. Like a true dive to me like doesn't really have that. Like I don't, like they might have like margarita mix from the store if you want that. 
So maybe maybe dive bar is like simple, low key, yeah. more of a local place. The place and just that no frills. The place I'm talking about by my mom's house is actually um, it's the last remaining Stevador bar on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn. What's a a Stevador. If you've watched The Wire, you know what this is because season two is all about Stevadors. Um, they're people who remove cargo from ships. So in Brooklyn, where I'm from, and right by my mom's house, is something called the Brooklyn Navy Yard, and it's where Cargo ships come and unload their cargo, like their um, shipping containers, and then those get, you know, put onto trucks or trains or whatever. So the stevedores, who are the people that remove them from the boats and are in charge of, you know, back in the day it was manual, but nowadays it's like through Big computers giant cranes and cranes. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. those people, it's like a very blue collar kind of job. There aren't that many people that do it anymore because of the autom- automotion automation of the industry, like we, you just mentioned. Yeah, you just mentioned. Um, so. Those people, like, traditionally, the, this sort of avenue leading to that area was just dotted with bars that they go to after work. And there's kind of, it's now it's, like, nicer restaurants and cocktail bars, but there's one bar. It's called Montero. Um, it's my favorite, favorite bar. Uh, it's, like, kind of the last stevedore bar. It's, like, maritime-themed. Um, you know, it's people that work there are kind of regulars, like yeah. people that work as stevedores um, or people that used to work as stevedores or somehow were associated with the Navy Yard. Um that to me is like what a dive bar is. It's like a, you know, sir, like specifically this one, I think they don't necessarily have to, but maybe it like is in a location or like somehow is positioned uniquely to serve like a blue collar group of regulars. Okay, cool. Well, that's probably the best answer I've ever received. So thank you. See, I, f- I feel like uh, there's so many different types of dive bars. That's obviously like a great that's just kind of a catch-all term now. You yeah, know what well, I mean? like, it could also be a place that doesn't doesn't accept credit cards, and that you wouldn't use the bathroom in, and you <laughs> only drink beer at because you know that that you don't trust everything's clean and coming out of it. Yeah, like you're like, oh, beer. I know, I know those uh, the ice machine hasn't been cleaned in God knows when, so I'm not going to get something that has ice in it. So I'm either yeah. going to do straight shots, they mm-hmm. go in disposable plastic, or I'm going to drink beer out of a can or a bottle. Okay. Like that's pretty much for me. That's 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 more of like the true like real divey dive and then you have like obviously like the in modern times you're seeing a lot more of the the revolution as like more of the neighborhood style dive bars which we have a decent amount of here in birmingham which are clean like you can go use the bathroom there it's a five star dive bar five star dive bar yeah yeah you can go you can go and feel comfortable in those spaces and know that the ice machine may have been serviced and that there's There's a cocktail program yeah there's not there's not the, the the there's Yes, the floors moms. Have been... Yes, moms. I'm looking at you. A frozen machine means you have a cocktail program. Like you know what I mean. Like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's like that to me is more like the modern dive bar. Yeah, I mean, the floors have been swept and mopped. And, okay. You know, it's... I always thought it meant more of like just a kind of a, more of a local thing. You wouldn't know about it if you were visiting from out of town. A lot, a lot of tourists, maybe. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm inventing my own. Well, then you have uh, like you know, like the Nick and the, the Plaza. I feel like are like true dive bars. They've been there Birmingham. forever. Yeah, yeah but everybody knows about them. Everybody knows about them, but they yeah. they stay true to who they are and yeah, what and they do, and they're proud of it. And stuff. Yeah, and so. you know what to get there. Like when you know, you know when you go to the Plaza, you're not like, man, I think I'm going to do a martini. You're like, no, I'm going to get a beer and a shot. Yeah. Well, how has the um, speaking to you guys? How has the bar scene changed in Birmingham in the past few years? Have you seen? More bars opening. I mean, obviously, we had COVID happen, and that's that's another question in and of itself. How did you guys navigate COVID? I mean, you guys open. You had both gar, both bars open 
around the time COVID started or right before? So we had Queens Park open and we had every intention of... Yes, please. Thank you. We had every intention of uh, Neon Moon opening in July of that year. Okay. And we already signed our lease and as soon as it started, we were like, hey, I know we signed this lease and I know we had agreed on doing this work, but maybe this is not the right time for us to do this. Is there any way that we could... Our landlord at Neon is a fucking man, by the way, who's great. Yeah, yeah, oh, so is cool. that when they started shutting stuff down? Yeah, and yeah. he was super cool because we were like, you know, he's like... like oh. just yeah, and he was, you know, usually it's like they'll give you kind of a grace period before you start paying rent, and I was sure. just like... Hey, so this thing happened. You see what's going on yeah. in the world around us, right? You know, with everything that's going on, and he was like super, super cool about extending our like lease and our not pay period until we could, you know, figure out what was because you know we, he was like, I don't want you to have to to not open the bar here. Sure, you know, yeah. like I like you guys as tenants. You have a track record of establishing successful bars. We want to, you know, honor the agreement, but at the same time, we understand that. This is unprecedented. You may need to spend more of your savings keeping Queens Park afloat than you expected to, that you budgeted for Neon. Overall, just great, great guy. Huge fan. Dude, that's awesome. Super, super lucky. Yeah, so we, we kind of shelved Neon in general. And, you know, from day one, from the shutdown, it all happened on a Monday. And we, we, we talked to our staff. And we're like, we're obviously going to have to lay everybody off for a little bit and going to have to close and you know, wait and figure everything out and we'll bring people back. Uh, anybody who doesn't have a second job, you guys will be the first people that will be brought back. Everybody who has seniority will be at, a, at the top of the pecking order. And then anybody who has a second job and has been with us the least amount of time will be on the bottom side of that. Yeah. And so we had that one day it's and we're, we're at the house and it's, I think it was St. Patrick's Day, actually, March the 17th, which is super weird in general, being home as bar owners on, on St. St. Patrick's Patty's. Day. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're home and then KIV released the thing that night, and she was like, we're going to allow people to do to go. So we'd, like, jump on a conference call with our attorney, who's like, yeah, I mean, as far as I know, you guys can open tomorrow. Like, you know, go with God. And so we make a kind of, like, very hastily, like, put together an Instagram post. Like, we're like, okay, we're going to work, just the two of us. We're going to donate all the tips to the staff. I had been, like, I was, like, an emotional basket case when we left. So I was, like, I'm just going to deal with juices and syrups later. I was, like, you know, assuming I'd have to empty my fridge. So we go in. We're, like, okay, we're just going to – we're going to use today to just sell off the stuff that we already have prepared. Um, and we had, like – we did this crazy – we had, like, f- over $5,000 in sales in, wow. like, in like four or five hours. And now, what like, is this that you're selling? Like, home Alcohol. Kits? No, we're selling, we're selling booze. You're just because doing mixes the initial, like this? <laughs> the initial thing they sent out was you can sell anything. It was actually copy and pasted from uh, Louisiana. Here's this half-empty Jack Daniels bottle. Uh, well, it was, like, bucks. shots. Like, we were selling, like, shots and, and, oh, yeah, we were and alcohol. And so – and then at the end of that what? day, they release an addendum to the thing they'd released the night before. And they're like, we realize that some of you might have misinterpreted what we meant. And it's like, no, you – we just read what you – you know, my attorney read what you wrote, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you just might have shots. misinterpreted what we said, <laughs> but actually it has to be in a sealed original bottle. And we're like, okay, well, oh, okay. bitch, I'll go to the liquor store and buy some minis. And so we just do that. And we're like, okay, we're selling – you the the juices and the sh- and the syrup shaken together and then here's a mini bottle of tequila for example for the drink we're having you can pour it over but I legally can't do that pineapple so, willy stuff yeah yeah so okay. we start doing that so our first day we're like okay this is a fluke the second day we're like okay whatever we'll buy some mini bottles and just see what happens um, 
We yeah. uh, well, I think in general we kind of skipped over a big piece of the puzzle was the first day there was lots of people that wanted to see the first legal to go cocktail sold in Alabama, and, and we sold it. We kind of got oh, in front wow. of things. Okay. Yeah, that was and, us. Uh, a couple years ago, Food and Wine moved to Birmingham, and one of our really good friends who's been a friend of the bar and a friend of mine personally for years. Her name's Zoe, and she was like, hey. She works, is, she's the video director there. Yeah, she was like, hey, okay. what if I come in and do a, a, a video shoot of the first legal cocktail in, in the state of Alabama and do a promo for you guys via our uh, social media apps? And we're like, okay, yeah, whatever, cool. So for those of us who don't know what Food & Wine is, not me, I totally know. What is Food & Wine? Food & Wine magazine is a subsidiary oh, of. Oh, the magazine. Yeah, yeah. of course. So Food & Wine is. i got a copy right here. <laughs> right there. Uh, we have one in our bathroom. Um it's a subsidiary of Meredith, um, which is a parent oh, holding yeah, company Meredith, yeah. of um, like Southern. I think it's like Southern Beaches. Like they have like all these different magazines. Food and Wine is probably the most well known of them, but they have a ton of different. Yeah, Meredith is huge. Yeah, I do a it, bunch it used of. Used to be Tom before yeah, they mm-hmm. took over. And so like I do um, for really weird reasons. I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild of America as a hand model. So, oh, really? Yeah. What? So I. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're talking You're to an actual model. I thought you um, wanted another drink. That's why I grabbed that. By the way, in case y'all. I think he's good. You pointed yeah, to your thing. Good. So okay, um, sorry. But. Uh, so I do a lot of work for them because, um, you're a hand model. I'm, yeah, I know you're looking at what? these hands now. now. I can't stop um, looking at I know. Your hands. <laughs> I'm doing I've never soft seen a model. Um, <laughs> it's like Zoolander. I keep them in fishbowls normally. Um, no, I'm actually a member of SAG though. Uh, you have to be a member of the Screen Actors Guild to be in, um, commercials or TV. Are we getting a good shot of these hands? <laughs> <laughs> it's really you gotta get a close up. Please. Uh, they're not that great. I don't even have my nails done. I'm need but, some um, pictures. But I do. I can send you. I mean, I was in a Patron ad. That's like why I'm a member of it. Um, Patron. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's and awesome. And so they, in the past, um, obviously not since COVID, but they have me come in and because the cocktail stuff, obviously I have all these tools and I like I'm I'm aware of how to like make drinks yeah. and, and stuff so I can work with their stylists and then. Because I'm a SAG member, it's like I just have a lot of experience hand modeling. So I hand model for Meredith. But you're making drinks mm-hmm. and stuff. Okay. But like so for like, like photo- photograph and video, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then um, – and so she, so I'd worked with her because of their friendship. That's how I knew her and I did my work with Meredith. And then, um, yeah, they came in and we were like unwashed and really stressed out. And like it's a really funny video of, oh, of dude, us just gotta, being like – I got to check that out. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It was, the first – to go cocktail mm-hmm. in Alabama, you guys did that. Yeah, there there were several, like a lot of people that I wasn't expecting showed up because of that. Like, oh, we super we just random see people. Like. That remember that guy that was like, oh, I have a shot of like Maker's Mark. So what are people know. doing? They're just pulling up. Like they were just pulling. I mean, we like, made a post, style. yeah, and we it's didn't like, really know what we were doing. What? So it was, <laughs> like we eventually got a system in place, but this was like day one. Literally, nobody else was doing anything. We just like are such a small business that doesn't rely on like we don't have a graphic designer, we don't have like an owner we have to run stuff by because I'm the principal investor. So it's just like, all right, let's fucking go. Like y'all make let's a decision, no red yeah. tape, mm-hmm. you just do no it. red tape. Oh, yeah, so we yeah. just did it, and um, yeah, people were just like in their cars, and we were just bringing them drinks, and I was just making cocktails. Mub was like so, talking to people. Uh, Oh, yeah, are yeah. they driving off or are they just yeah. parking? Um, and y'all just doing like both. all the above. I mean, it was like Sonic style. Yeah. I'll, I'll take another. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, it sometimes we'd have people like be like, okay. And they'd like take off like a few minutes later. They'd be like, okay, like I'll I need another, another to go cocktail. Driving. <laughs> Oh, I yeah, have crazy. I have no idea what they're doing. I assume they're being responsible and legal. Yeah, um, you're not bound complying to, by well, legal rules, and they were pulling over and all they were the having rules an alcohol. Of legalness yeah, there having an alcohol. Wow, oh, yeah, um, having a drink and yeah. So that yeah. only lasted for like 24 so hours. So 
that was 24 hours, and then they changed it that night. They're like, some of you misconstrued misconstrued. Dude, that is the wild west, man. And so we're like, okay. So then we we do this thing with mini bottles. Um, And then the next day, we're like, okay, that was a fluke. Whatever. People are like trying to support us. And then the next day, we do like $6,000 in sales. And we're like, okay, wow. That was like, that's like, that's a a lot for $12 cocktails, um, including tax. And so we're like, okay. So second day, all right, people, like, we're done. The goodwill is done. We're just going to do a third day to, like, get through the rest of our stuff. We do a third day. It's, like, another $6,000 day. And so we, like, call our preppers and we're like, hey, um, I know we told you it was kind of an indefinite furlough, but uh, we need you to come back. We need like, you right to make now. drinks. Um, well, we need you to, like, be juicing shit and making syrups. Right now, yeah. So, and then we start contacting the rest of the staff. We're like, hey, like, I know you've been sitting at home crying for three days, but um, we really need you, like, right now. Like, we we are... We, two people cannot handle this anymore. So we brought our entire staff, like not our entire staff, but close to it within like a week. Um, And then it just really took off. Just doing to go. I think you guys are the first person, first couple I've talked to that's strictly alcohol. You know, it's all restaurants and stuff. I know like the local, shout out Poncho's, my favorite Mm -hmm. Mexican place. They were doing like to go margaritas and stuff. Yeah. They would mix it. And Mm -hmm. and we were like, this is awesome. You know, just bring it home and eat it. Love it. Um, But I didn't know how like just the full on, because you guys don't serve food at either locations, right? And well, just in general, it kind of evolved. You know, we we started out where it was uh, the baby giraffe. It gets up and it falls and it, you know, its mom kind of like nudges it and it gets back up. And <laughs> I love the analogy. We kind of figure yeah. it out. Whereas we went from just doing, you know, individual servings to being like, hey, Cocktail we can sell, kits, we can sell entire bottles, bottles of liquor. Bottles of liquor. What's the picture, man? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was more like we can sell bottles. Like yeah. we can sell. We couldn't sell pitcher because we couldn't sell things that were pre-mixed. So yeah. anyone that was doing that was like very flagrantly breaking the law, which is fine. Um, but you know, did I say ponchos earlier? No, I'm in, yeah, I'm in, I'm ponchos, in ponchos. Yeah. yeah. Well, just in general, like I feel like at first we were kind of like judgmental of like other people breaking the rules, and then we just started thinking about it, and I was like, this is a lot of people's livelihoods, and yeah, whether or not certainly it wasn't a value judgment. Yeah, um, like we there's no reason for us to to have judged anybody, and I'm sure that people were judging us for what we were doing and thought that we were doing things the wrong way, but. In general, it was just a weird time, and everybody was kind of trying to figure out Very what they were going to do. Time. It was yeah. extremely lawless, especially when there was curfews and stuff. You could drive like the wrong way on the highway. It was a cra- It was just crazy. Dude. Yeah, it was. It was just when uh, the expressway was getting rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, the the twenty fifty nine intersection. And it just so, been finished. Yeah, so just in general, it was super crazy, crazy and then we man. we started doing cocktail kits, and we would create these little handmade cards that we get our staff to the make recipe. and write down the recipes for how to to make each individual thing. And, and we would like like staff members would, like sign it, be like, "Thank you for supporting us." Yeah, so it was really cute. That's cool. Yeah, um, and it it did really well, and we just you know that's how the bars stayed open, and then you know, and then we were you know our contractor and our landlord were like, "Hey, so like." You know, how's it going over there? And we're like, actually, pretty good. Like, let's start, you know, restart Neon Moon. And we did. Yeah, March 2021. Awesome. Well, uh, going back to Queens Park and when we visited during the Miracle uh, on 24th, menu, man, you guys have a lot of drinks. Um, Did anything linger from the COVID times where you were doing the home kits? Someone like myself would be interested where I don't know how to make a drink. Do y'all still do that? Or is that. Y'all no, but more. you should um we should do another podcast in the future to discuss future plans that we can't discuss right now because okay. that might be something that's more available to you going Sweet. forward. We will definitely have a round yeah. two for sure. Um but yeah, just you know, someone like me who doesn't know how to make anything. Yeah, I, I think crack a beer I was talking to our prep manager a couple of days ago about how like 
COVID really changed the game in terms of people being more into like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because we don't, we're obviously very weird people that have like, look like alcoholics if you see our bar in our basement, but, um, Oh, I bet your home bar is awesome. (laughs) Dude, you see my little mini bar. Yours is great. I wish we had like a bar. bar. This is incredible. I'm so blown away. We just have shelves full of lots of We just have shelves. I mean, but it's like, we always like warn people, like if like, like we had like some plumbers come and I was like, hi guys, like, I just want you to know. We don't have a drinking problem. Like I'm, I just want you to. Know I work this. at. A, I own a bar. I work and they at a were bar. there, and they're like, haha. And then they walked down. They're like, oh shit! Like you were not kidding. I was like, yeah, I wasn't. Joking we're not at raging. All. At um, yeah. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but since COVID, you probably learned a lot about bartending at home. You probably entertained at home more. Yeah. You probably made your own drinks at home a lot more. Um, and I think that. As much as people are like, COVID is over, it's totally like nothing, like we're back to normal. I feel like that's like a profound cultural shift that's going to continue is that people, I feel like, are more empowered and more interested in dining at home and drinking at home. So for us, you know, we had such incredible success with our kits. People still ask us like daily about the kits. Um, And I think, you know, I I think there's something to be said for that. I think that's not a market that's going excuse me, going away anytime soon. Yeah, me, you know, I want to elevate my hosting game. Yeah. Uh, we've got the little... I mean, like your I said, house is incredible. I mean, yeah. This is so nice. Like, I would I, love to hang out here. But having someone like you, I was like, man, I really wish I knew how to make a cocktail or at least had better glassware. You know, just this the is little great. This is, this is a beautiful glass. I well, love it. Well, thank you. I'm uh, But yeah, I, you know, just wanting to elevate my game a little bit, you know, learning from someone like you guys who know how to make a thousand drinks. Like, yeah. that would just be super cool. Um well, I think that was have that and some kind of like, oh, I can just flip open and make yeah. Laura's famous yeah, Manhattan yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, I think in general that was one of the things that opened up during COVID was people were trying to find ways to do staff building opportunities, but they couldn't really take them out to places, especially in large groups. Yeah. So cocktail classes and things of that nature started being a thing that were way more uh, common within the I've workplace. So many cocktails. Yeah, and Laura, Laura did a ton of those. Dude, I mean, the, the, I can't imagine. There's so many bad things that happened during the pandemic that we obviously don't even need to go through. But there's so many good things that also happened from the evolution of a lot of different things within the service industry. Like we had a uh, a drive-through baby shower one week, and like, all the cars oh just kind of lined so up, much. and they were what? separate from each other. And then it the person amazing. up front paid for all their cocktails. And, and then they would, and then the pregnant lady, the pregnant daughter sat in this like throne and then like everyone like gave presents to her and like surrounded her in a mountain of presents. And then they would drive past after like chatting with her and giving their present. And then we would give them, they had like a choice of a couple different drinks to go. Oh, that's so rad. It was super cool. That's so cool. It was a regular at both of our bars who um, asked us if we could do it. And we were initially like, had to like call our attorney. We we're like, can we do this? And he was kind of like, well, like. You have a really laid back attorney. I love our Sounds attorney. like he's just like, eh, I think you're fine. You know, very, very, of, uh, very fear and living. Dude, yeah. we've been watching <laughs> a lot of, uh, uh, God, what is the show? Uh, Arrested Development. The attorney. Uh, <laughs> watch that. Yeah. Anyways, beg for forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. But we, yeah, we did. It was great. I mean, we just did so much crazy shit and some of it stuck though. I mean, I'm still doing, I did a cocktail class like last week or the week before, right? Yeah. I think COVID just forced everyone to be, to get more creative. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's great. I think there was a lot of room in this industry for that creativity, for spreading out a little more. And I, I love the idea of, I love the idea of like doing virtual classes for people, which I'm still doing, and they're super fun. Or doing like the kits, which people yeah. got so into them, and I know why because it's like 
even if I'm like, if we have friends over and I'm like, we'll make some cocktails at home. I'm like, this is such a fucking mess. I hate everything. Yeah. Like it's so much work. I'm like, I would, I would go buy a cocktail kit. Like I don't want to deal with this. And it's so nice to have it be like, okay, here's a bag with your garnish here. Like quart containers of, you know, in this case, like lime juice, strawberry syrup, like a bottle of tequila. Like here's a card saying how much you put in. Like, I think that's great. Dude, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, I know you teach a lot of classes, and you recently uh, taught a master class. I did. Um, Ooh. And um, yeah. uh, it, it, you won some award in 2018. Um, I did. What was that award? Uh, it was by... It was um, the American Barback of the Year. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was... Uh, I won Diageo like World Class. World Class. Okay. Um, which is this... It's kind of like the Olympics of bartending. When I, it's, that's the easiest that way to explain intense. it. Um, okay. It's a multi. It's like sixty countries okay. compete. Um, no they have deal. regional finals, and then they are regional competitions and national competition. Then there's a global competition. I came in second globally, but I had pneumonia, so I feel good about that. Um, I'd like to think I would have done better. Second on the pneumonia. planet Earth with, with pneumonia. pneumonia. I mean, yeah, I was not like, hospitalized yeah. afterwards. Um, I mean, you know. So I feel like that's pretty good. Um, uh, but yeah, it's really cool. Mud was like incredible. I mean, I wouldn't have done it. I think if he'd been allowed to come with me to globals, I, I probably also would have won. Um, but just having his support was so amazing. I mean, people, that's the only way you win is with someone behind, every, rock, buddy. behind every bartender of the year. There's, there's mud. There's mud. Um, <laughs> really good bar back. But yeah, so it was really intense. I did it. Uh, I did regionals three times before I made it. Or I made it to nationals my first year, and that was awful. So I did, anyways. I did it for like years to win. Um, See, I don't know anything about world class or this competition. Is this <laughs> something you get invited to? No, no. Anyone can compete. compete. It's super cool. Okay. Like, literally, you could compete. I mean, like anyone could do it. Um, <laughs> it just you have I to can apply. Crack open a mean. And get you have this amazing bar at home. Like, fuck. I would just you could practice speed runs here all day. Like, shit. But flipping. Yeah. Well, no, no flipping. It's not a flare competition. It's um, but there are a lot of different parts. There's like a speed round. There'll be like a food pairing round where there'll be like, you know, the night before they'll be like, here's a dish, taste it, like make a make a drink that, that pairs well. Yeah. There's like a lightning round where it'll be like, okay, like I want a and you'll like draw cards. It's like I want like a a julep that is bitter with a base of tequila. Go and like you have two minutes to like come up with a drink, stuff no like way. that. So. Regionals, it's like three challenges like that. Nationals, it's five challenges. And then Globals, is like a million fucking challenges. So it was cool. The Globals for my year were in Berlin. Um, and then wow, I, you went to Berlin to yeah, continue? Dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not get to go to Berlin. I wish he got to go to Berlin. <laughs> we weren't married, so I couldn't go. You're not scared. I don't know. I, I got on this thing where it's like, you know, coming from someone who's never made drinks, especially fancy drinks in fancy It's really easy to places. make fancy drinks. It's I don't know, man. I think. There's this guy on YouTube, and I can't think of his name, mm-hmm. but he basically has a GoPro. I don't know how he's wearing a GoPro nonchalantly while he's making mm-hmm. drinks, but he's working at like a, a oh, really, really high-end, oh. fast-paced What's cocktail this guy's name? bar. I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to look this up. But that's all his content is, is just like, okay, I had an order for like four drinks that just came in. Now i got to make them real quick. Yeah, I've like always thought about doing that. Yeah. video of him making these yeah. drinks. And getting them out there on time, yeah. and the bar is packed, yeah. and people are wanting orders, and they're all just like... Giving you yeah. the stare, you know what oh, I mean? Like, stare. come yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dude, I don't know how I would function in that environment. You well, know, where people are paying 
especially in some of these high-end places. Like, oh, in New York? It's like over $20 a drink. For a drink, yeah. you know, for a drink. I went to a place my 22nd birthday where it was $30 for a ramen coke. That's insane. Yeah. Okay, that's rip. That's crazy. It's, but, called the, it's called The Box. You should look it up. The Box. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in, a bunch of, it's in a bunch of songs, right? Roddy Rich. Yeah, Roddy Rich sings about but it. But just cool. the pressure of like being able to maintain your cool and get people's drinks in a timely manner and, I think and do it right and not the, screw it up. Big, because... So the biggest thing, and this sounds really zen, but it's like it's really like thinking about it makes you anxious, right? Like thinking like like seeing people like like the idea of people looking at you and being like, oh shit, like I have to you hurry. Gotta be cool and you gotta yeah, but like I have, but I have to gotta, hurry, and I, I have all be... these people. That's called like being in the weeds, where you're like, oh fuck, like I'm like so like slammed, like oh my god. But really, the Zen answer is when you recognize that you're in the weeds and you recognize you can't go any faster. That's when you're fucking cool. Yeah, because you can't go any faster. Like there are times where I'm like bartending, I'm like I'm literally like. The like I won the speed round at World Class Globals. I'm like I am literally like the fastest bartender on the planet. Like like demonstrated, I can't go any faster. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm always wild. intimidated when I see people that can make drinks like really fast, but still get them correct. And just having like the vast knowledge of all the different drinks that people could ask for. You know what all I mean? Right. Like when you have a full service bar. I don't know. Maybe I'm just intimidated by what's going on. It's still lagging. Oh shit. Okay. Do you wanna? Well, the other one's recording, so we'll just kind of wrap it. Yeah, just let it keep going. Sorry, technical difficulties. Um, But I'm always, like, intimidated by, like, yeah, just the amount of drinks that there could be made and that people could ask for and then your ability to be able to, like, oh, you want a rum and coke? Oh, you want this or you want that? Or the drinks that don't really necessarily name the items that are in the drink. Right. I want to cause a more Yeah. Or I want Cocktails. a porn star or whatever. You know? I should have told you ahead of time. There's a there's actually a YouTube video of me doing the the like the winning speed round. I it was like eleven drinks in like three minutes or something. Eleven drinks in three. It's minutes. something kind of ludicrous. Um, there was a lot of anxiety and adrenaline, dude, uh, fueling that. But yeah, there's a YouTube video of me doing it, and it's like. <laughs> That's crazy. Have you ever been in a real life experience where you've had to make drinks that fast? Working oh, yeah. in bars. Yeah. No pressure. No big deal. No. You can just handle that. Um, you just do it enough. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I always like I feel like I didn't really answer this question, but it's like when I was um I knew I wanted to bartend. My parents knew I wanted to bartend. Is that you or your dog playing with my feet? I'm it's really probably into this. my dog. Okay. Yeah, it's not me. No, my feet are on <laughs> I was this like, side. I'm so sorry he's playing I'm, with my feet. I don't know what I'm you're... absolutely not doing it. <laughs> um <laughs> That's low. My uh my parents uh, had really good friends who owned this incredible restaurant. It's called Bistro's in Brooklyn Heights, where I grew up. And it was like between my parents' house and my school. And so my parents were like, I mean, it was like their best friends. And so they would drop me and my brother off at this restaurant on the way to like parent teacher conferences on like shit they had to do. This It was like a private school and they had to like go there all the time. And so Helen and Jim, the owners, like loved us. And I love, we're super close. We do like Thanksgiving at each other's houses, whatever. So they put us in the PDR, which is a restaurant slang for the private dining room, like where you would, you know, if you have a private event, 15 people, dinner kind of thing. And so my parents would come back and my brother would be in the PDR and he'd be like finishing his homework. And like mine would be like, my backpack would be there and maybe some shit would be out of it, but it would be like the chair was pulled out. Maybe like, oh my God, where's Laura? And I would be behind the bar 
I would have talked my way into behind the bar. Like I'd convince the bartender to let me bartend. And so I'd be like on an upside down milk crate and I'd have a little like apron rolled up. And so I'd you've be been like, doing this I'd be like polishing ever. glassware. I'd be like lighting cigarettes. I'd be like sliding beers down the bar. Like what? I just like love this shit since I was a kid. I did for a year after college, I did a, um, a desk job. I worked for a tequila producer and I was like an executive assistant, the office manager and the bar manager there. But I realized that all I wanted to do was bartend. Dude. So if you've been doing it, literally this, like in college, I had a bar in my room, obviously Ooh. when I was 21. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, who didn't? But there was like a menu. I bet yours was like good, yeah. Oh, no. There was a fucking menu. A menu? Like, that's there a, were like dude, bottles so and I had like lighting and it there was like a bar, like like shelving like everybody in the dorm was like let's go to Laura's it place it wasn't everybody man. it was like a lot of people would come yeah, in and dude. you could order from the, the from the menu and I had you know it was like there were prices and it was pretty much a break even so it'd be like four or five dollars for a drink just to, to cover the cost of like getting alcohol and stuff yeah. but I like ran a bar in college and then I worked at the bar in college once I was like old enough and allowed to work at the bar and then yeah so it's like if you've been doing this your entire life and you've been making these drinks in the same recipe forever yeah. It's not as hard as you think it is. Okay. It's like, well, maybe it's just, yeah. Well, it, it, obviously, if you have a passion for it like you do, yeah. That's if you've been doing it man. your whole life, like Dude. it's not that On hard to remember crate. these. Yeah, I, I know it's very cute. I was like lighting. Like my favorite one is that I was doing this before the smoking ban in New York, which was way earlier than the Birmingham one. So I was like, my friends were like, "You were lighting cigarettes?" It's like, yeah, people used yeah, to smoke yeah, in bars. People used to smoke bars. Mm-hmm. It was normal. So. Well, you guys, uh, you hinted at maybe some future things that you can't really talk about well, on this episode. We're, but we're torn between a baby and then like a bar baby. I so. hear you. Um, well, not, we have our own opinions it? about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if, the, if there was anything that you could share with us about the future, are you guys happy with just having the two bars? Or are you I mean, definitely have so plans happy to with expand? the two. We have, we have an incredible staff. We have an incredible managerial team. We have, we are so lucky to have just great people working for us. Yeah. And they make it easy for us to own two bars. That being said, these people are super competent and we would love to, you know, elevate people within the company and, you know, open another thing if possible. But that being tiki said, bar. It's, do a tiki bar. That would be so cool. That's so funny that you say that. Um, I just did, dude. Tiki culture is weird, man. So I worked, I worked so at a tiki cool, bar. I ran man. a tiki bar in New York for two years, dude. Like I, I watched all these YouTube videos about the old school, like West Coast tiki culture. They're so crazy. They made people. It was like in Utah, you had to bartend wow. secretly behind a curtain so they so that people couldn't steal your recipes. Really? Yeah. Oh, so Victor, know way more than Victor Bergeron, who's known as Trader Vic, he he was really big on doing that. There were a bunch of they like it was him, and then this other. They had like a rivalry, and they were like sending in spies to steal recipes. So and wow. like yeah, Don the Beachcomber, Don was, the Beachcomber, yeah, yeah Trader yeah. Vic. They were like arch arch rivals. It was crazy. I can talk about this all day. Yeah, um, I vaguely understand. Like Don the Beachcomber was a yeah, he huge... and and Victor Bertrand hated each other, and they each like lay claim to a Mai Tai recipe and a zombie recipe. Um, they were really intense about like stealing recipes from each other. So they were like people were bartending behind a curtain. Um, Don would actually make. His cocktails, he would like pre-combine ingredients, call them like Don's mix number two, and so even if you stole his recipes, it would you be like, what the what fuck it... is Don's mix? So, yeah. dude, that is intense. Mm-hmm. But just seeing some of the cool bars, um, 
What's your you know, favorite tiki bar? There was ones that I, I mean I don't I've never been to like a full blown tiki bar. Like so what's the best? What's the bar you want to go to? There was one that had like an indoor uh, a swimming pool. It was with like a, a pool with, with a, a boat? boat. It had like an island. It's called the Tonga Room. It's okay, in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah it, see, it's uh, it's in the Fairmont Talking Hotel. To you guys, that's crazy. I go there. Um, there's a guy that at least pr- right up until COVID worked there. I don't know if he's still there, but he worked in New York and. Uh, he used to always like save a seat for me. It's like, yeah, dude, I want to go see one. In. And like the music, like yeah. I'll pull up like Tiki uh-huh. music on like Spotify. Yeah. It's like something out of a James Bond movie uh-huh. or something. You yeah, know? no, totally. So I don't know. I'm, I geek out on that stuff. No, I'll give you a list really after this cool. of some okay, of our faves. Sweet. Well, dude, I wish you guys all the best going forward. And hopefully we can get you back on for round two to kind of learn so. more yeah. about what you have Talking going on in Birmingham. And um, uh, for anybody that's listening, if they wanted to visit any of these places, that we've talked about, uh, how can they find you guys online? So the best thing would probably just be our, our websites or Instagrams, which are all based off Everybody's the same on thing. Yeah, yeah, everyone's on Instagram. Um, it's, so it's queensparkbham or queensparkbham.com um, and then neonmoonbham, neonmoonbham.com. Really easy. Keep it, make it pretty. Get ready to stand forward. in line to get in if you want a popular night. These places are slammed. Uh, Laura, Mud, thank you guys so Thanks much for, for coming to hang. This is great. We'll get you back Happy on soon. Happy National Margarita Day. Yes, and thank you for the margaritas. These are of course, delicious. we've got so. This Is Why Mud Didn't Have the Residence, so you can have it. Thank you. Thank you.